0: Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Liz Kovach is the president of the Western Retail Lumber Association and she joins us on the phone now. Liz, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. How are you? Excellent. Thank you very much for doing this. Really appreciate it. So, it's been an interesting time during this pandemic. We hear about, you know, shortages of certain products and and items, and we're in the middle of a lumber shortage. Tell us about this.
1: We are it's uh there isn't one simple answer to really clarify what the shortage is from, it's certainly a build up, a buildup of a lot of factors. But curtailments that had taken place in the past just to make sure that inventory is managed, uh, you know have fully caught up with us. There's a lack of capacity of lumber from previous years from the pine beetle. But one of the biggest, one of the biggest uh, reasons for this shortage is that when COVID hit back in the February March, and mills had to shut down, the logging industry had to shut down. Nobody really expected demand to climb as it had. I think everyone really thought that the demand was going to fall off the edge of a cliff, and the DIY market exploded, and it's likely because a lot of folks were unable to travel and made the decision to invest that money into their home.
0: Yeah, like I was just looking at uh, like Walmart's, earning, uh, Walmart's earnings are way up, but another company that has big uh, earnings right now is Home Depot. Um I think I read something like a 25% spike in their sales uh because people are are at home they're saying they're looking at the same walls all the time and they're going let's fix things <laughs> up let's build a deck let's get a fence going whatever and so the demand uh is is through the roof and when there's Absolutely. demand like this for a product Liz uh, that means that what is available will cost more how much in price increases have we seen
1: well, we've seen these are really historical uh, prices. The, we've actually gone up 50 percent uh, in terms of, of what the actual board feet are, are being closed on the TSX. So it certainly has gone up significantly. In the end, it's anticipated that there might still be some incremental simply because of the lack of supply that's actually available. So when you don't have the logs to process, you can't fulfill the demand that's out there
0: isn't that something eh? 50% price increases uh, as demand for this lumber which is in short supply uh, continues and and is it all lumber or or certain uh certain lumber certain wood or is it right across the board
1: Uh, I would say it's right across the board. Basically, anything that's required for fences, for decking, or sheeting for homes. I know that a lot of home builders are really struggling to fulfill some of their uh, contracts simply because they're having a tough time finding that lumber and the sheeting that they need. So whether it's plywood, OSB, and when we look at also some of the transportation issues, I'm not sure if you're aware, but the transportation into Manitoba has also been a challenge in terms of being able to get trucks to return out west to be able to pick up more supply and even rail cars are in an are in a historical shortage typically we would recommend about 50 50 cars to a mill to come pick up the supply and now they might get 10 cars or they'll be sort of at that 20 percent of actual follow through so that makes it difficult Hmm. as well
0: sounds like it's almost a perfect storm of a bunch of factors eh
1: it is a perfect storm of a bunch of factors, and to be honest with you, no no one could have predicted that this would have happened, and everyone that I've spoken with said, you know, 2020 was positioned to be a really great year, um, and then when March hit, obviously, the home starts, uh, the housing starts, and a lot of the construction really went down. If you look at what happened out east, for example, in Quebec and in Ontario, a lot of the construction sites were forced to shut down, so you're a producer and you see some of that and you know 80 percent of the material that you're producing is actually going to eastern canada obviously it's going to raise some flags and you realize you're going to have to slow down your operations because you may not be able to meet it but then you also look at the fact that they were closed and couldn't even keep up uh now that's the situation that we're in
0: Hmm. and final question um how long is this going to go on is it (laughs) is it something that's going to uh, turn around quickly or or could it go on for quite a while
1: well, that's an excellent question and one that we're struggling to find answers to because right now it's the, the logs that are uh, are slow to be processed or, or, or unavailable. So originally, in speaking with some of our members and just trying to get a handle of it, November was that time frame that we were provided with, but no one is willing to really commit to a date simply because it's so unknown and we're in such a situation that none of us have experienced in the past.
0: Wow. Thanks for telling us about it, Liz. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We will be requiring mandatory use of masks in schools in grades 4 to 12 where physical distancing of 2 meters is not possible. That announcement from Premier Brian Pallister earlier. You may have heard it live here on CJOB. I just wanted to remind you that when kids go back to school September 8th, Masks are now mandatory. Joining us now to talk about that and some other announcements from the province today when it comes to COVID-19, Cynthia Carr, epidemiologist with EPI Research. Cynthia, good afternoon. Hello. Thank you so much for doing this. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, your insight on this virus on other shows, and I'm happy to talk to you today. Uh, I guess uh, let's start with the mandatory masks at schools um I think this is I personally think this is the right move. Uh and I understand some people out there have concerns about it. Um but I think it sort of it gets rid of some of the gray area that was out there with some people. Is this a good move?
2: I agree with you with respect to the concept of uncertainty. We know that uncertainty escalates stress out of proportion and when we're looking at all different sources of information and what should we do, what should we do, that's a lot harder than having somebody, you know, our respected chief health of health saying, "Here's what we're going to do. Everyone, here's why, um, and here's the, you know, the specific target groups." Evidence does show uh, that kids age 10 and older have a higher rate of infection and therefore likelihood rate of spread than younger kids. We know that symptoms are not a good sign of infection, so you know we're still learning as we go. But but as I said, we do know that for that age, group age 10 and older, it does appear that they are at more high risk of spread and becoming infected. So that is a good uh, group to start with and with clear rules. And I would just add, please, all parents, everybody, even something as cheap as a Ziploc bag for your child to put that mask in so they're not putting it in their pocket, backpack, other surface area, just something always that this is where your mask goes uh, to keep it clean
0: yeah okay so let's talk a little bit about this because uh now that masks are mandatory where physical distancing is not possible as the premier said Mm -hmm. um now Mm -hmm. that that is the case what are some other things that we should keep in mind as moms and dads especially as as you know we're sort of talking kids in schools right now that's a great idea the ziploc bag because we want to keep that mask as uncontaminated and clean Mm -hmm. as possible any other good advice cynthia
2: So we know that when you put something on your face around your nose and mouth that can kind of make your face feel hot and sometimes we interpret that feeling of being overheated as anxious and upset. So, again, it's it's talking to our kids about this is how you might feel when you have the mask on. It's filtering, but it's not sealing off air. Um, Maybe let's go out and pick what design do you like, what makes you feel good, what's kind of cool, and let's start practicing in the house. Let's put it on for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. How do you feel? Do you feel anxious? Um, if you're sitting in the classroom, I would say that's the most ideal spot for people to be wearing masks, because we know evidence shows that the most high risk would be associated with duration of exposure, recirculated air. But the positive to that is if you're kind of sitting and you're comfortable, you can kind of be breathing and monitoring that and not kind of walking around quickly where you might be kind of breathing quickly into your mask. So Um, Just kids to practice with it, put it on and remind them not to fiddle with it. And this is why you're protecting other people by keeping your mask on and your friends and your teacher are keeping you safer by keeping their mask on. And, you know, the most high risk areas, I would say, are on the bus where, again, that air could be recirculated or within the classroom uh, where, again, air could be recirculated. And kids like myself who are are hearing impaired, um, you know, we rely on being able to see our teachers' mouths. So, you know, there's going to be differences. And Dr. Rusin talked about that, about different needs of kids. Something I had thought about that would have helped me is maybe every teacher could have one of those mobile microphones. You know, when you go to a play and you see it taped to their cheek, so that it goes under the mask, they don't have to um, increase their voice, which obviously is not what we want because we know from research that can increase the. Opportunity for spread, but that every kid can maybe still be able to hear better um, without the sound being muffled by the mask. So just things to reduce anxiety.
0: Hey, um, I'm back now. I, uh, I'm back now. Can you hear me, Cam?
1: Sorry, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know that C- we lost okay. you. I didn't even know we lost oh, you. Oh,
0: <laughs> yes, you did lose me. I apologize, Cynthia. I apologize. I'm doing the show from my home studio here, and you know what? I had the text here the other morning for a couple of hours, and they're coming back today because the same thing's happening. I was actually gone for that last answer, so I apologize. I, oh. I missed that. So we'll just carry on with the, we'll just carry on with the conversation here. I apologize, Cam. Cam, okay. <laughs> I wasn't aware that you didn't know I was gone. So one more quick <laughs> question for you, Cynthia, and you may have answered this. I, I wasn't able to hear. Um, you talk about kids and masks. Um, it's important that the kid, when, when a child especially, and, and listen, I'm, I'm an adult and I do it, when you do wear a mask, you tend to touch the mask, move your face, you know, or, <laughs> more often. Um, I think it's important with kids to make sure that they they don't touch the mask a whole lot, right, even though they may have that urge to do that.
2: That's right. And, and that's kind of what I did talk about is okay. to, to practice with that mask on, remember how to keep it clean and, and think about what are if it's wet. Don't put it on your face. If it seems dirty, don't put it on your face. If you're Mm -hmm. not sure, ask your teacher for help. Ask them to take a look at it. Everybody is there to support our kids, reduce anxiety, enhance learning. But as Dr. Rusin said, we we have to be aware that this is a period of uncertainty for everyone, Mm -hmm. including our kids.
0: Yeah. Okay. Moving on to the other part of the announcement today. So mass mandatory in schools. We heard that from mm-hmm. the Premier and Dr. Rusin. The pandemic response system, basically the mm-hmm. use of four colors, red, orange, yellow, and green to give us an indication as to where we're at with COVID-19 as the province as a whole, but also it can be in specific areas as well. And, and today we're yellow or caution. Um This is a good idea, right? I, I like this. I think this again clarifies uh, COVID-19, the information that's available for specific areas or the province as a whole and gives you the best information possible for that particular time.
2: I agree with you 100% and ironically yesterday somebody was asking me about school openings and I said it would be nice if we had some kind of a dashboard in the community where there's here's the red line uh, for whatever it is, cases per million per day or whatever and so it's obvious and clear and and I think this shows again about the ongoing um, readiness to adapt to say what do we mean by communicating? Is it data? Is it talking? Is it narratives? And it can all go together to piece that picture of where people learn best and what kind of information they need because even me i'm talking to you right now somebody could pick it up take one or two words out and it's a whole different story than what i Mm -hmm. said i love the dashboard i love the clarity and it's a whole another piece of the communication plan
0: yeah and maybe the final question here cynthia you know i think sometimes we're a little hard i i've really tried during the pandemic to give politicians and uh, especially health officials but politicians as well the benefit of the doubt because we've never been through this before in our lifetime right we're learning you know we we know so much more about this virus than uh six or five or six months ago but we're still learning and we're still trying to figure out how to get information out there the best way possible so Mm -hmm. it's uh but i i you know we're getting it maybe not as quickly as some people would like but we're slowly but surely getting there on all this
2: Right. So to your point, we might think we want something quickly, but it's, it has to be accurate and factual. What we've learned the hard way is when we're too quick to say something and then back off, that causes, cre- um, confusion and anxiety. Mm-hmm. We know from pandemic management planning from the world health organization, one of the biggest threats is, uh, inconsistency in communication and public health officials and our elected policy, uh, or political officials, um, making uh, comments that are contrary to each other. We do not see that in Canada. We see in Canada, yes, we're learning as we go, but we don't see situations where our premier or other elected official is saying, no, 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 he's wrong, don't listen to him or her, um, our our, uh, scientists and public health officials. So let's not make a mistake about learning as we go and people going and disagreeing with each other because that is... Problem. That's the toxic part—not learning as we go and updating us, but updating us in a way that is okay. We've got a reason to think that this is factual and good information, and we're giving it to you now. And I'm sorry you might have wanted it yesterday, but again, it—it it has to be as factual as possible is more important than as fast as possible.
0: Cynthia, thank you for this, and I'm, I'm really glad and, and happy that you were able to join us today on a day with a couple of big announcements on the COVID-19 front. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Jessica LaRusso, Jessica LaRusso, credibility expert in good company, Etiquette Academy. Jessica, good afternoon. How are you?
3: I'm great. How, how are you?
0: Excellent. Sorry about yesterday. You were on, we moved you, then you were off completely, now you're back today, so I apologize about yesterday, but hey, in the news business, when news breaks, you either fix it or uh, you cover it, and we tend to cover it around here
3: exactly and that was completely understandable
0: sure yeah, well, thanks for understanding, and I'm glad you're back today. Um, so here's the, it's a Reddit thread, and I find I, I read these threads on Reddit, and, and they get a lot of attention, and they're good questions. And, and here's the question from Reddit. What is a bad habit you didn't know you had until someone else pointed it out? And yesterday, people were sending in their bad habits that they didn't realize they had until somebody else pointed it out. And uh, uh, the comments on the Reddit thread, stuff like, uh, I say sorry all the time, I talk to other right. people and interrupt them all the time. I talk with my mouth full. Um, I always argue. I always have to argue. Somebody makes a point. I have to disagree with it. Anyhow, the list right. goes on and on and on. We've been getting some good ones from our listeners as well. Um, bad habits, that must be a big one in your line of work, eh? Okay.
3: Oh, absolutely. And uh, right now, because of COVID, I specifically work with families because they're a pod in a group because, of course, we're social distancing. And it is across the board, whether it's uh, internal, in your family, um, in your household or in the workplace, habits or bad habits happen all the time. And it could be from... Uh, cultural issues. So, for example, um, uh, if you are North American, we're going to assume that hell, and you mm-hmm. have dinner at uh, with an Asian person, and they slurp their soup. For for right. North American individuals, that is, oh, what are you doing? But for an Asian mm-hmm. person, that's uh, completely acceptable. So, you know, bad habits can be cultural, just by misunderstanding. Also bad habits a lot of them is just not um learning what we should learn when we were younger or entering the workplace and so again that's why i'm so busy and it all comes down to uh, what we call social intelligence so when we look at social intelligence we're looking at three things we're looking at uh social radar we're looking at social knowledge and we're looking at social style. So when we grasp, and I'll briefly explain it, um, mm-hmm. when we grasp those things, those bad habits, and I'm doing air quotations, come into play. Now, you had said that bad habits, like people, people will tell you about your bad habits. But it, honestly, in most cases, people won't. And I always bring up this analogy, and I'm kind of embarrassed, but it's, it's a great example. Bad habits or or behavior that's really not acceptable is like passing gas. Everybody knows you did it, but they're not going to say anything because they're polite. (laughs) So this is where social intelligence comes into play. Knowing, um, having cultural awareness and knowing kind of the, the social rules and, and what's, what's expected and not expected. Also, Uh, When we look at radar and uh, listening, listening for understanding, looking at someone's body language and taking a moment to read their body language, and also just really um, being empathetic and understanding the feelings of other people. And then the Mm. last one is, of course, social style. Um, We're having a conversation. However, I'm not going to just start yelling or just being out of place, I'm going to read you, I'm going to see how you want to be communicated, just even verbally. Um, Of course, we're not seeing each other face to face, but I'm going to feel you out and see how Mm -hmm. you want to be communicated. And that also comes into play where you may be, um, uh, you know, an introvert or an extrovert. How do I communicate to you if you have that kind of style?
0: Let and me ask you a, a question. You said most. Let me ask you a question. You said most yeah. people don't point out a person's bad habit. Should no. we, if we see something, should we be pointing it out or just keeping our mouth shut about it?
3: Well, it's kind of rude, and and you just brought up the person that uh, always has to play devil's advocate, always has to be the right fighter, always has to disagree. Mm. Do you really want to uh, have a relationship with someone who's always? Um, telling you that you're doing something wrong or telling you that you are um, not living up to expectations. It's not a nice place to be in. And that's why it's very and very uh, important for that individual or people to say, uh, to look into, be self-aware and say and take responsibility for themselves and say, you know, am I behaving in a manner that is positive, that is um, helpful to society, for example, that that's going to get people to be more, or make me more likable, make me more believable or credible.
0: Hmm. Here's a good one. Mark just uh, texted this one in uh, uh, that I thought was kind of funny. Jessica two zero four seven eighty sixty eight sixty eight. How my wife has a bad habit of not looking at the toilet seat position before sitting down. It didn't go well until I pointed it out. <laughs> <laughs>
3: of course. Again, self-awareness. Yes. <laughs> self-awareness. Right. Thank you, Mark, for that wonderful comment. Yes, yes. thank um, you, Mark.
0: Hey, go ahead. I'll give you the final thought here.
3: Okay, so the final thought is, ask yourself, can I be doing more? Is there something that I can do to, to be more empathetic, to read other people, to make people's lives better including myself so take care of yourself and and just instead of navel gazing look at your cell phone look at your belly button look up and out and say to yourself how can i make that other person better today
0: excellent jessica thanks a lot Thank
3: thank you hal
0: jessica larusso credibility expert in good company etiquette